Welcome to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast. We're so happy you're here today to learn about how to create fresh perspectives on profitability, people, productivity, and finding peace in your small business. Today, we're going to discuss some fresh perspectives regarding profitability for your business. I'd like to say hello, business rock stars. My name is Maggie Mongan. I am your host for today. I'm a small business thought leader and growth strategist for about 20 years now. I am the CEO of Brilliant Breakthroughs, Inc., which is a coaching practice that specializes in guiding and simplifying your business brilliance. I'm all about improving the underserved small business sector. If you're new here, you're going to learn that very quickly. And I honestly believe that small businesses are the accelerant of our economy, so much so that I created a number one best-selling business book series for small businesses. Don't worry, we'll share a little bit more about that in a moment. But what I do want to share is most importantly, like all good things, I didn't do it alone. I invited tenured experts to join me in the authoring process. And today we have with us one of our tenured experts, a number one international best-selling business author, Dr. Dennis Hill. Welcome, Dennis. The crowd goes wild. Woo! Hi, how are you, Maggie? Always good to see you. It seems like it's been a while. <laughs> it, it seems like it. It may not have been, but it seems like it. <laughs> it feels like it, yeah. Thank All you right. very much for having me today. Absolutely. And everyone, it's really important that you know who Dennis is because he helps business owners and leaders integrate their business systems to streamline operations and systems and align workers and their workflows. Why? so they can improve their productivity and ultimately their profitability. Wow, you have your hands full, Dennis. It is exciting. <laughs> Between presentations, you know, invited speaking events have really grown since we published the book. And that tells me one thing, Maggie, that, that your concept not only is a number one international bestseller and a wonderful series that's repeated repeatedly serve this market, but this market is thirsting for the information that's in there and they want more. Amen. Amen. So here we are. Can you believe that this is our not first, second, third, fourth, or fifth, but it is our sixth episode in this mini series about profitability here on our podcast. Awesome. You, you just like can't keep quiet, can you? <laughs> you know, once I came out of my introversion at the age of 60, <laughs> as that, as that joke just absolutely fails. Um, I've always been a precocious person. I've, I've been gregarious. I've been all sorts of three syllable words all my life. Of course, the one I, I love the most is the one you coined for me. Mm. Um, but the, the reality is that I like sharing knowledge. I, I don't, many times I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I, I do know this, that people want to learn. They want to grow. They want to change their businesses. They want to change. They, they, they want improvement. And that only comes with sharing. And the beautiful thing about what you and I do is we work 
have worked and will continue to work with a lot of different companies. So no one company becomes the exclusive guinea pig of experimentation. We go in having tried and tested all of the things we get to share that have come before that current engagement we have. And so it seems like the older we get, the more valuable we really are, like a fine wine, right? Or a great cheese that, that people will really enjoy because there's nothing that needs to be added. We're bringing to them all that life experience, all those successes and failures that have gone before them. And we can really get that small business on the right path. It is an honor to have all that experience and apply because most people don't have that. So we're, we're blessed that way. So thank you, Dennis. Sure. Well, thanks, and congratulations. Thanks, thanks to all of our clients, right? That's really who it is. We, we owe it to everybody who's listening to this podcast and those that you wish to share it. I'm, I'm going to put a plug in there. Share this. Whenever it pops up, whenever Maggie has somebody on, these are, these are more than nuggets. These are entire veins of gold that never end. And all you have to do is mine it. And that's a click of a mouse and an ear for 20, 30 minutes, just do it. You know, it's a best investment of time. It is. I just had somebody say, holy smokes, I knew you did a podcast, but I didn't know you had so many episodes and so many experts. I love all the different flavors they are and they feel like friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, right, because we're, we're real. We're real here. So thank you. This is, this is a blast. And here you are, you're a returning author. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. In volume four in our series, you addressed productivity. Yes. And I, and I was thrilled with what you did. And then here in volume five, which is our final, (laughs) hard to believe it's our final volume. um, You took us to profitability. And you did it in a really beautiful way, Dennis. You you wrote in volume five, a chapter that is titled Integrate for Well-Managed Intentional Profits. And it really is, in my mind, it's a sequel to what you wrote in volume four on productivity. And I guess we should probably introduce the book itself, right? That would be nice. (laughs) Okay, everyone. The book series that we're speaking of is Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And the subtitle is Fresh Perspectives on Profitability, People, Productivity, and Finding Peace in Your Business. Now, all the books have the same title and subtitle. What makes them different from volume to volume is the cover has a different color. Volume five, which Dennis wrote about profitability is a beautiful turquoise cover, right? It's absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) Boy, that was a setup. (laughs) Okay, so volume five, we focus on you writing about profitability. But this is a bonus episode. You've already done five other episodes on profitability. So I invited you to come back and talk about something a little different, right? 
Yes, but it still applies to really it's nice capstone because it applies to profitability and productivity. It, you know what? It does. You're, <laughs> now, now that I, I think about what we're going to talk about today, it absolutely does. Oh, and and I might as well go all the way. And it involves people <laughs> and a great deal of peace brought to you. So this is really a capstone for the entire book, even though I didn't publish in the other two sections. <laughs> I love this. You just put this together. This, by, by the way, audience, this is just all impromptu. This is a <laughs> None of this has been rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what makes it so intriguing, right? right? So let's talk about this because this is this is a little different topic for our audience. We're talking about ransom where ransom wars, as you call it. And I love that phrase because I think when we have a ransom situation, we are battling. Yes. So, so that's a very accurate term. This is about cybersecurity and, and the dignity of our data, right? It's, it's everything that sort of trickled in over the last two years of conversation, one way yes. or another. Yep. Okay. So ransomwares is a little different conversation, isn't it? Well, it is, but it's interesting because if you were to say something like antivirus or you were talking about some other things today, people, people have more or less come to accept where they're at in terms of the lack of online privacy. But how many people in the audience, in the listenership here, have received a pop-up on their screen that said uh, it looked pretty official from Microsoft and said that you, you have a problem and we're willing to remote into your system uh, for just $300 and fix it for you. And it looks totally legit, but it's not. It's effectively ransomware. And if uh -huh. you're through with that, that ransomware will lock up your system and you will have to pay the $300. So you don't press any buttons on that. You literally shut your system down as soon as it happens. Uh, and, and go ahead and panic because it's, it, it's not welcome. It's not invited. It's invading your system. It's uh, you know usurping the system's integrity and security features, all in the hopes of cashing in on a $300 charge from you. And, and uh, that continues to this day. People are still getting clobbered by that foolish little pop-up and thinking that they're really talking to a Microsoft support person and there's something wrong with their computer. Okay. Well, I love the tip that you provided of mm -hmm. shut down the system. Okay. Yeah. Because when you click that button, you're basically giving authorizations for the software to literally infect you. Oh, that's not cool. Mm -mm. Okay. So Thanks for that tip. And I think that's that's a great way to introduce a couple of the questions that I have for you on this topic, because we can, I think most of us can relate to what you just said. Now, this next step, we go a little deeper, don't we? Well, the, you know, the historic, let me give you the historical science. I've been working in the computer security field, what, since the early 1980s, right? I was a young professor. 
And the, the, the area of my work was computer security, not because I intentionally went into it, but because when I joined the university, um, the university had been hacked within the months prior to my, my joining them. Okay. So, so I started right there, and it turns out that the systems that were hacked were hacked by a group of Milwaukee-based hackers called the 414 Club. <laughs> and, and it's not because of the area code, but because of the Explorer post number. See, there's little things that I know about this process that you won't read in your Wikipedia. But what it was, and it was an exploring post operated by a big three-letter computer company downtown. And uh, these kids would meet each week, and they gather at the Explorer meeting, and then they'd leave uh, to go to one of their homes, uh, where one of them had come into possession of a guide for certain mini computers of the day. And those many computers were all manufactured by a company called Digital Equipment Corporation, which doesn't exist anymore. DEC, yep. They were hacked to death, but because they were acquired, Compaq, and Compaq was acquired by Hewlett Packard. And so, you know, it's, it's a game of acquisitions and technology. Long story short, back in those days, they'd actually publish these secure administrative passwords in the user guides. And so what these kids did was much like in, in, uh, in various movies of the time and so forth, they hooked up their computers to modems and these, they would randomly dial phone numbers until they connected to a computer. And then they would literally try the default security password and administrative account. And guess what? They got in. They got into Sloan Kettering Cancer Institute. They got in obviously to the university they uh, also broke into Los Alamos laboratory. So nothing was safe. And eventually um, the various investigative services, both for the defense department and for the FBI were able to track these kids down and uh, shut them down. Uh, the, uh, uh, and then it was pretty much every six months, every spring, every fall after that, there'd be a series of hacking going on and and the media would come in and do live interviews in my office, and we'd, we'd show them what we were doing in the computer security field. But there was nothing out there. It was like, I don't know, it was like one of the Irk brothers coming into town where there was no sheriff, and they said, hey, can you fire a gun? And it was like, can you manage computer systems and study them and investigate them? I said, yes. And we ended up having the only secure computer manufactured at the time by Honeywell Federal Systems outside the military in our laboratories at the university. And so we produced the first, I would say almost 50 students in a few years there that understood the intricacies of true systems architecture and, and software development as applies to computer security. Okay, so here you are mm -hmm. early in your career, you're doing all this computer work, you're learning systems in, in, in a industry that doesn't even have itself truly defined yet. Yeah. <laughs> we always forget that. Yep. And, you know, so that was back in the 80s and the 90s where everything was still great mystique, right? Right. The web had not even come into existence yet. These were internet connected networks based on the technology that, uh, that came out of the defense 
Projects Department of the Department of Defense in the early 1970s. That's how universities and research centers communicated. Right. And, and most people don't know that. So thanks for sharing that right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're, you're, you're doing this great work, cutting edge in every aspect because it's an experiment. Everything was experiment, right? Right. Yes, it was. Everything was experimental. Um, most of the academic research that had gone on in what we call security was cryptography, which is still very popular today in the basis of cryptocurrencies and blockchain and NFTs and Bitcoin and that sort of thing. Um, but nobody was really looking at what I call the systems level, right? Which includes the hardware, the operating system, the applications, and most importantly, those applications as they affect people. So secure computing applications didn't exist. We wrote the first of those in our, in our lab and then proceeded to deploy those on government contracts, not only for the US, but for the Canadian government, putting these onto systems that were in uh, various consulates and embassies around the world. And the first one actually went in that I can recall in the consulate in Korea about a year before the Olympics were there in Seoul. Hmm. Because all the communications that needed to be coordinated had to be secure. And so this computing system produced by Honeywell had application software on it developed by us, my graduate students and students uh, in our lab. And it was very exciting because even to this day, I have to say, can you go out and buy a secure computing application? No, the big ERP, you know, and manufacturing and accounting systems, they just, they just take it for granted that you're going to buy some third party package or you're gonna buy some hardware that's gonna firewall your system. And the reality is 40 years after starting in this field, where when I had predicted that nobody would be willing to really invest in this technology, except in reaction to major data breaches and violations, and that's exactly what's happened to this very day. Ah, okay, so yep. 40 years, here you are, cutting edge, tinkering, Figuring things out and, and tinkering, I think that's a fair statement. It's not, I don't mean it as an insult. I feel okay. like the pedo at times, yes. <laughs> okay, so you have this great background in computer security. And it's not just computer security it's because you're a polymath you've incorporated how humans interface with technology all of that so how you started to say that things were really pretty basic rudimentary in in the day and here we are many years later how has security changed from that time to what we experience now because you gave us the middle you right. gave us the beginning now here we are right in high school they taught us that that starting the story in the middle is called in media refs <laughs> right? so, so this is the meat people this is the prequel uh <laughs> to the series that you just heard about um so it has changed a lot and it hasn't changed at all 
Oh, I love that. (laughs) It was the Wild West in the 1980s. Um, And even with new laws that came about after these hackers were exposed, uh, and there was a lot of changes because the laws that really governed data security up until that time were telecommunications laws established around World War II. Mm, I mean, okay. really out of date. So, so that was 40 years before then. Now we're 40 years after, right, 2022. And, and we are still without real regulatory concerns when it comes to the new or emerging technology like blockchain, right? And yes. Currency and all of what that means. And uh, anybody who's, who's aware of this uh, technology, and I am, I am at that edge too. I'm leaning forward on the skis with respect to um, uh, what, I, what, what I have termed the crypto economy. And actually I'm teaching a course on that uh, this year. Really exciting stuff. But from the people side of things, we have moved from a technical specialty in security to common knowledge. Um, the nearest experience I can think of is a year ago, nobody even heard the phrase supply chain. <laughs> Except for those who, of us who knew supply right. chain and worked it. Right. So 40 years ago, I have to tell you, the first ransomware that popped up really goes back to the 1990s. Hmm. But most, most people think it's something relatively new because what ransomware does is, is it shuts down businesses, it shuts down people, it shuts down their systems. And so um, the technology side, we've moved from rather crude and rudimentary systems, which at that time were many computers and PCs, through several evolutions to a very sophisticated level of, of technology involved in computer security. Here's the problem. No sooner do we come out with faster processors by Intel, AMD, and other companies, faster computers by Lenovo and Samsung and HP and others, but then there is immediately a new set of threats to that technology. Okay, I am with you on that. And that's why this conversation is so important. So the malefactors, which are, think of them as the cyber bad guys in this conversation, you're hitting it on the head. They're just as smart as the cyber cops and the developers. They're, they're right there with it. Yeah. Yes, they are. And they're well-funded. You know, it's not like these kids with a homemade computer and a modem, like we saw in the, um, in the movie War Games, right? Everybody. Okay members Matthew Broderick and word games that was occurring that was I think about 1982 too it was occurring at the same time as the 414s were doing that oh. in their homes. and okay the dad didn't know because they were meeting in their bedrooms and and game rooms and places where the parents just wouldn't invade to see what was going on and they didn't understand the technology either but we become very we we as a society have a much higher computer intelligence quotient than we have ever had before. In fact, the technology quotient. We, we, we learned, for example, through COVID, how to embrace video conferencing and, and utilizing remote working tools and things like that. So we're, we're all, both by volunteerism and by voluntoldism through these catastrophes, uh, becoming much more technically savvy than we were, um, you know, even 10 years ago. So. What happens here, though, 
is that the hackers of 40 years ago were these just precocious kids randomly hacking without without any real smarts to do it. You didn't have to be very smart. In fact, one of the things he does is he has his grades changed on the, the high school computing system because he's not getting a very good grade. Right. Um, so no real smarts were needed back then, just tenacity and some technology to do it. Uh, that hasn't changed a whole lot. Uh, it's, it's still pretty brute force, but these ransomware programs that are out there penetrating computers are, are in fact, um, derivatives of one another, just like a virus, like COVID went, has gone through several different variations, so do ransomwares. Okay. Okay, and, and so who's, who are creating these? Well, just like certain viruses can occur naturally, they can also occur in the laboratory. And that's what happens here. These, these ransomware programs are created in laboratories that are very well funded. And please don't be surprised, audience. I have to tell you this, even, even our government is engaged in the creation and distribution of ransomware, cyber attacking other parts of the world as we are attacked ourselves. So every nation on earth, save a few impoverished ones like Haiti, uh, very, very impoverished or Eritrea, they are conducting mostly invisible war games, which is where I come up with the notion ransom wars. They're, these ransom wars are being used to shut down businesses like, uh, like the Colonial Pipeline. Colonial Pipeline, even a year later, hadn't completely recovered from its ransomware attack. Uh, how many of you are utilizing uh, uh, software for time and attendance and payroll in your organizations? And yet the biggest company in the world was shut down by ransomware, crippling all their users who are now engaging lawyers to sue them for not protecting their computing systems against ransomware. I, I, so, so this is happening all over. All over. It's an industry. Yep. It's its own industry. And I think people don't realize that it's become its own industry. And these are very smart, savvy people that are trying to access your data. And the crazy thing is we just click one thing and we help them. As yeah. you said, we say, yes, infect me. Right. So, so we're in this shift. Now I know that I have resigned myself to having no online data privacy for years now. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the practical um, understanding with so many data breaches of banks, credit card companies, even schools and government databases aren't well, really isn't all of our personal information just out there. Well, the sad truth to that is yes, Maggie. Okay. Uh, for the most part. For the most part. Okay, we'll yeah, give you the, the most part. The disclaimer. Um, yeah, it, even if even but even if we had absolute security and direct personal control over our information, which is really the problem, right? Your your credit card information isn't on your your handheld phone or your desktop. You can access it, but it actually resides at the credit card company your health records on the system at the, at the healthcare provider, right? The hospital, um, your academic records are on the system at the school. 
So they have these monolithic central managed computing systems that are easy targets for the hackers. And they do that. They, they keep tenaciously attempting to penetrate um, because that data includes a lot of your personally identifying information. And, and so are, is all your personal information out there? Yes, it is. You have to kind of look for it on this place called the dark web, which is the underbelly of the web. You probably have heard of it. I don't, I could spend hours just talking about the dark web, but the reality really is that, that just because you've been exposed doesn't mean you need to continue to be exposed. Uh-huh. I, I think that's very important, right? Passwords will change either by force or, or by volunteerism. Data, of course, becomes obsolete, except where things like your social security number, which is, you know, eternal and whatever, that those are things that, that really should be addressed. But that's why we've gone to multi-factor authentication. That is where you're, you're logging in with a username and password, but you still have to get a code that's sent to your cell phone as you're logging in or a second uh, physical code, like a new, like the new encryption uh, devices that are on your credit cards. Those are all new technologies that um, used in tandem with one another, make it more secure, but not absolutely. Okay, so how does um, 5G fit into all of this, Dennis? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, 5G, everybody thinks 5G is just this new generation of cellular communication, which gives us faster speeds and, and, and larger bandwidth. Uh, I can download a four, a four gigabyte movie in a matter of seconds to my, okay, or, okay over 5G. And, and yes, those factors are true and, and they are rolling them out. You know, they haven't quite opened up the throttle on speed and bandwidth yet, but that's certainly promising. It's faster than anything we've had to, to date. It's even faster than most home connections, right? The, okay. So 5G will dwarf by a factor of 10 what you can get in your home on a wire. So that is the obvious answer. The reality is that 5G incorporates a whole new slew of information security technology that was brought out a little bit in 4G LTE where we first saw things like Apple Pay and Google Pay and you know, mm -hmm. Pay apps. They were based off of this new security technology, which by the way, is so radically different. It, it, it changes and, and changes the way in which we share information going forth. The problem is that not every system and not every phone and not every tablet is connected to 5G. So if you're connected to an old fashioned wired connection in your home or your business, you're not doing, you're not taking advantage of the 5G technology. So you're insecure, you're still vulnerable. And you have to ask how many years does it take to replace the entire generation of automobiles on the planet to all be self-driving? Because until that happens, <laughs> Right. Until that happens, somebody's going to screw up and we're going to have accidents, even with autonomous self-driving vehicles. So everybody has to be that. It's the same thing here. Either everything is 5G or you're vulnerable. Got it. OK, so this protects the information, not only of the data, but the way 5G works with your cell phone 
is it protects the identity of the owner. Hmm. Okay. Now this is really good to know. So I'm, I'm glad that I asked and that we've had conversations over the years because I know you know a great deal about 5G and when it was first becoming popular, you were already, you know, sharing wisdom that we, we had no idea how to even categorize that in our mind mm -hmm. because it was so foreign. <clears throat> so I thank you for that. But what is all the happenings that's happening with this ransomware? Let's get back to our topic. Can you break it down a yeah. little more for us to understand? Because, hey, we're just mere business owners. <laughs> yeah. But, but your, business, your business thrives on information and information technology. Correct. You know, whether you're, whether you're actually using it for customer interfacing or using it for payroll. Right. Anybody who still runs their business on paper probably is not running any business on paper. They're not. <laughs> okay. Um, yep. So ransomware, I, I'll break this down for you because it's, it's not that complicated. Um, it affects everybody every day. If you don't think so, just check your um, latest premium for your business insurance and you will see a cyber theft, cyber crime. Line. That, right. That right. used to go from just a, a, a just a not even a few hundred dollars a year for like a million dollars worth of coverage to now tens of thousands of dollars a year for for thirty million dollars worth of coverage. Which, by the way, state governmental units are requiring that level, and so are large enterprise companies of their sub-vendors, which are many are small businesses. They expect you to pick up a $30,000 premium for tens of millions of dollars of cyber coverage because if they shut down, they break down, you have already signed a subrogation clause that says, yeah, come after me, I'll indemnify. Right? right. That, that's absolutely horrible. So we're all affected by the skyrocketing insurance premiums. And we're just starting to see litigation from class action lawyers. And as I said earlier, on the time and attendance vendor, we're going to see companies being sued for not doing what they could have done to prevent ransomware. What ransomware does is it locks up your system until you pay the ransom. It, it's the same. It's, it's, it's a malware. It infects the computer system like any other virus. And the bad news is it propagates from one system to the next through the network. And not just the network in your organization, but on to those organizations that you communicate with and network even over the internet and even over private networks, what they thought was, you know, uh, impenetrable at one time. They're not. So we see organizations like Garmin, for example, Garmin was shut down for ransomware, Colonial Pipeline, JBS, the entire country of Costa Rica a few months ago was completely locked up under ransomware. Oh. An entire government incapable, even though Costa Rica, you know, it's a government. They have complexities there. Imagine not being able to collect taxes, uh, send out uh, pension checks, uh, or whatever, provide any of the government services. And by law, their government was forbidden from paying the ransom. <laughs> How ironic. Yep. 
And and uh, <sighs> uh, I'm trying to think of the university. I want to say Lincoln. 150, 170-year-old university in Illinois closed its doors after the last graduation period because they they succumbed to ransomware and just could not recover enough of the data because the, the methods that are recommended today by law enforcement and by computer security experts and companies is inadequate. I'm just gonna put it out there and say it's inadequate. The FBI estimates that you can't recover more than 65% of your data in a typical ransomware recovery. That's if you get it back at all. In most cases, the data is encrypted, in some cases, it's destroyed. For proprietary technology, some, some organizations like NVIDIA, which produces not only great graphics cards, but the engines that compute the crypto keys for the whole crypto economy out there, was held ransom uh, by, by the, the hackers. And they were threatened to have all of their proprietary designs leaked publicly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Talk about cyber espionage, you know, in your face. So this can impact us in ways that we don't even realize yet. No, but you're going to feel it in the pocketbook. The skyrocketing insurance premiums are just the start. But if you get hit by ransomware and you don't have an effective recovery program at all in place, and most small businesses don't, they roll the bones, which is why 16,000 in the United States alone closed their doors last year. Not 16,000 businesses closed their doors because of ransomware? Just because of ransomware. They were attacked. They lost their accounting. They lost their customers. And they didn't have the money to pay the ransom. And even after they did, in some cases, they couldn't recover enough of the data to continue operating. Okay. So this takes me to the next question. This is huge. So how can we prevent it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing. So I'm suspecting the answer is probably not so much. And yet there is, right? It's not what you want to hear. Okay, bring it on. There is no absolute way to protect against ransomware. How do we uh -huh. know this? Because the number of incidents keeps going up. If there was a solution, and it was built into your antivirus software, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be seeing, first of all, ransomware would be unprofitable. So there's right. no reason to do it. That's the primary motive for these organizations. Now, the case of Costa Rica, the hackers wanted to overturn the government, not just get money. Isn't that interesting? Actually, execute a, a coup d'etat by, by having the, the, the- Control of the data. They, that, very irritating, right? Yeah. And certainly uh, a less uh, physically impacting uh, threat than taking an entire army from an adjoining country and invading it like we see in Ukraine. Right. This, this is this is why it's a war. This is why I call them ransom wars, because the warfare affects everybody in the territory and the territory is everywhere. So there is absolutely no way to protect against it. Absolutely not. Um, and the question is, what can you do about it? Well, it's so profitable. These people are not going to walk away. In fact, they're so profitable. They've actually set up businesses to put other hackers into the business of creating and distributing ransomware. The cost 
of ransomware itself is well past $50 billion a year. And it's expected to grow to almost $250 billion a year by 2030. Okay, so that's not very favorable. No. And right now, business owners and entrepreneurs and business leaders of any kind should be saying, okay, so I can't prevent this because it's going to continue. So we're not preventing it. But what can we do to secure our data as best as we possibly can? So the, the key to dealing with ransomware is having a good recovery plan, right? And we kind of alluded to that earlier when I said that the FBI and security companies recommend having great backups. Right. And we can go a little further. Uh, have multiple backups in multiple locations, right? Up in the cloud on your G drive or your OneDrive or, or backup service provider like Barracuda. But even then, only the data is recovered. You still have to waste your time reformatting the hard drive, reinstalling your windows, reinstalling all of your applications, and then hoping that when you recover from uh, the data from your backups, that it's all going to be there. Well, at least up until when? Your last backup, which might have been last night, perhaps last Friday, or perhaps because you haven't checked your backups and you just kind of blindly accepted technology's perfection to carry you through the day, <laughs> or even years ago. Oh, sad, sad, sad. Okay. So, so the, 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 the data recovery side is not the key. There are a few companies that offer better solutions, like Hewlett Packard just bought Zerto, and Rubik is another. Um, they envelope your system in such a way as to recover your data faster, right? Offsite. They, they, they basically manage your backup solution. But even okay. they only recover the data. The only product I know of, and it's one that I use, so you can consider this a product endorsement, uh, because it is the only one out there. And I'm on top of this, by the way, you know this, because I, I, I head up a global consortium of people in the crypto space for HR. So I'm talking to businesses, HR associations, technical experts all around the world, Every Friday afternoon, we have a conference, all with people involved with organizations like the World Economic Forum and so forth. I can tell you, based on my exposure to the industry at large globally, there is only one product, it's called Sanctum NE, that will recover your entire workstation or server in a matter of minutes. No, no ransom paid. You get that little pop-up on your screen, you hit your mouse, I don't know, three, four, five times, takes you through a little quick, and then you go have a long cup of coffee or a nice nice lunchtime break. Half hour, 45 minutes later, you come back and your system is restored, completely free of the malware. Any other antivirus uh, software couldn't do that either. Uh, so it takes care of all your viruses and it takes care of the ransomware. So I don't get paid for endorsing Sanctum any, but it's kind of like, I like my grand marquee. I can sit here and completely ruin my credibility by recommending a car that hasn't been made in more than 10 years, but it still is the best car on the road if you have to buy a fossil fuel to run. Okay. So we have an option. Yes. 
in this the whole situation of ransom wars isn't going away we're going to see it impact us even more is what you're saying yes and and the industry is growing i think we all know that we used to not like spam well this is like spam that's locking you out right yeah the worst thing is the spam you can actually relegate it right you can send it off to your spam folder you won't hear from them again Here's the scary little secret about ransomware. Just because you paid them off doesn't mean they don't come back. Doesn't mean that you're not um, eligible, so to speak, that that you're not uh, subject to other ransomware attacks. And when you went and I talked about that little pop-up for the $300 and you hit okay, all right, not only would you pay them the $300 and think you're free and clear, they deposited a ransomware that will remain dormant on your computer until sometime in the future. That might be a year or two or three down the road. I'm telling you, and I'm telling you passionately, I've, I've built my life for the last 40 years around this arc of data security and integrity. There is no guaranteed solution against being hit by ransomware. If you haven't been hit by one yet, Count yourself blessed, but likely to be hit sometime in the future. You need to look at this out of the box and say, okay, I can't prevent it, but I can recover from it. And that's that's where, again, the sanctimony from Archive Solutions, I think, is, is worth it. I happen to know a major real estate company in North America that happens to sell fast food. How's that? I'm not <laughs> is considering deploying this particular tool across the nation on their systems because they are taking it seriously. And I have to tell you, that is remarkable because as I said before, and I've kept to this point, people are unwilling to spend money on security until they're affected by it. And the, the thing is about ransomware There's no clearinghouse that requires companies to admit that they've been affected by it. Um, So we don't know how many people are infected. We don't know how many companies have been, have been interrupted. All we know is we'll get a letter sometime later that their system was breached for whatever reason. And now you've got a year or two of credit monitoring. Oh, wow. That's great. Uh, But when your computers are hit, Mr. And Ms. Small business owner, and you're down for the count, you're going to, I think, really regret not having made significant considerations, significant considerations of securing your systems at the outset. And so talk about profitability, productivity, people, and peace. They all go out the window because you haven't taken a strategic position and and addressed the ransomware solution. Okay. Wow. What a bonus. <laughs> and, and, and I think the word bonus is even more appropriate because we weren't expecting this at all. This is probably the best topic I could talk on. I mean, I, I've given presentations like a few weeks ago in, in California on HR, core HR, the metaverse, and security came up. Uh, I'm doing a, a, a course next week, a short course workshop. Um, uh, on ransom wars, I actually call it that, uh, and and that's that's a paid course for people 
give me an hour and a half of time, I'll give them a lot more information than what we've talked about here in the last half hour or so. But it's, I'm, I'm saying, you know, you're going to get hit, you know, and, and those of you who've already been hit can probably testify to this. It really is a problem. You, you're down and out for days, weeks. And as I said, 16,000 businesses last year, including some very high profile ones, um, like the university down in Illinois. Mm-hmm. You know, sad. Dennis, all I can say is thank you for sharing. Not only did you introduce the topic, you shared the good, the bad, and the ugly, but you also said there is a solution that can help you, not prevent it, but can definitely help you if you are caught in a ransomware. And uh, the time, you have not said this, but the time to do it is before you are attacked. Right. That, that, and that's an interesting twist on this, isn't it? We're talking about how to recover from attack, but you have to implement the solution preventatively. Yes. You can't come in after the attack. This does not work that way. No, it's a proactive yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're Thank very you welcome. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I mean, you can tell I'm I'm nerding out here. I think. Yeah, you're getting your geek on. <laughs> <laughs> and I have the pleasure of seeing you. So I'm seeing the geek get all excited. <laughs> And, and it's and it's precious and we appreciate it because if you weren't excited about this if you haven't been here for all these decades we would not have this conversation and know of a potential solution so thank well, you and, yeah and, and most of the people who talk about this i'm not saying that they're incompetent they're very competent right the people that are talking on the security types they don't have the longevity of you right there's something about aging that 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 allows you to kind of connect the dots a little clearer, right? And in this particular case, we're talking to business owners. If it's about risk minimization, your business thrives on data, information. Yes. And, yes. and to, you've got the biggest risk. You might as well put a, you might as well put a, an open door on your bank and just maybe even put your cash drawer out there for people to just come and take. Uh, without addressing the ransomware situation, which, by the way, addresses every other malware issue, antivirus and so forth. It, it involves all of that, but this is the key. Um, it will keep your company going. And let's face it, we have enough troubles, enough struggles uh, in small business today, whether it's regulation or it's lead generation or it's operations or um, talent attraction and development, supply chain, all these things. They, they all are dependent upon having good access to data. You cannot, cannot afford to, to take this seriously. Data integrity is everything. Okay, so we need to put pause into this conversation. Um, thank you, Dennis, because this, this is phenomenal. And listeners, this is how you can learn more and engage with our number one international best-selling business author and cyber dude who cares. <laughs> you might have a new cape, cyber dude who cares. 
<laughs> Dennis Hill. Uh, start by reading chapter one in volume five of Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And that's the book that has the turquoise colored cover out of the whole series. And at the end of Dennis's chapter, he has something that's absolutely amazing for you. He has this gift where you can go ahead and sign up for what, Dennis? The, um, the recipe? Yes, yes. You're going to share with us? Oh, I get to share it. Okay. So it's, it's, it's the recipe to integrate for profitability. Uh, and they are very, very specific steps that you will find helpful in your business right off the bat. Okay. So there we go. That'll get you going. And we're also going to talk about in a moment that there's all sorts of ways that people can get a hold of you. But one of the easiest ways for them to do it is to download our app. It's Brilliant Biz Book. So go to your app store and download the app Brilliant Biz Book. We have a feature there that's called Ask an Expert. When you download, when you, when you scroll down the list, you'll see Dennis's name. And if you pop on it, it just opens up like an email and you type him whatever your question is or that you'd like to communicate with him. You know, can you set a time to meet with him? And I bet he'll respond back. You don't have to bet. It's a sure bet. It's your guarantee. It's guarantee. Guarantee. And, and same thing with uh, you know, social media. But that brilliant, I have to say this, that brilliant biz um, app gives the user exposure, and I might add free exposure, to almost a millennium of business experience across the board among all the authors that have published in this series. Yes. You couldn't find a board of directors. No, I have to say this, no publicly traded corporation could find that wealth of knowledge in a handheld app for free. Thank you. But awesome. it doesn't matter unless business owners like you are using it. And we have all sorts of other cool stuff there, like all of our podcast episodes are there. Uh, we have a community page. Think social media where we have um, different posts going on, inspiration, wisdom, whatever, you name it. So please check out Brilliant Biz Book app. And then Last of all, I would love for you to go back and listen to Dennis's other episodes in this particular series on profitability, which is uh, episode 203, 212, 220, and 236. Oh, and 244. I need to add 244. Pardon me. Um, but don't worry about that. We'll have that all in the show notes. So if you click on the link to go to the podcast episode, you'll be able to see that and you can backtrack through and, and listen to the rest of the wisdom this man shares, because we need to pay attention. He has the experience. Dennis, I want to thank you for your time and wisdom sharing today on a totally different topic that really does make a difference right now so we can shine. Thank you very much, Maggie. It's, it's been my pleasure. And and I appreciate um, 
just the the way we've protracted our conversations over the years. This is great. And I, you know, when we first met, it was it was about developing software and how we integrate solutions. But this ransomware crisis today is really, and it is ransom wars. Um, I appreciate having this forum of, of wonderful listeners and other co-authors uh, that bring this, you know, to bring this issue to their attention. Really, really grateful. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, we appreciate you listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast, where you learn about how to create more brilliant breakthroughs for your small business. Shine brightly until next week. <laughs>